This podcast is brought to you by Fandango. Fandango offers movie tickets and gift cards to over 45,000 different screens across the United States and reaches into nearly 80% of the nation's total theaters. By partnering with virtually every leading film exhibitor like Regal, Cinemark, AMC, and more. So to pick up some movie tickets or a gift card for the movie fan in your life, head on over to cityweekly.com slash Fandango or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. This is Sylvester McCoy. Uh, you're listening to Who Made Who, and uh, Me Made Me. And uh, my mother and father did the same. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. It's a brand new episode of Who Made Who, Cinema Geekly's Doctor Who podcast. It's Anthony Lewis and Ben Knight, and we are back to talk not one, but two episodes of The Who. Uh, Largely because uh, I forgot to ask Ben to record uh, the last week's uh, episode. And had you you remembered, I'd have had to do it from a service station somewhere around Birmingham or somewhere, so... Yeah, look, as it turns out happy accident because we wouldn't have been able to record anyway because of scheduling but i'm just gonna chalk this up to i'm just right now i'm just used to watching one episode of doctor who a year and i just figured (laughs) i had watched my one and we're done so well that makes sense i think maybe well for reasons i suspect we're going to get into it's probably quite a good idea that we're talking about two episodes here as well i would say but yeah Mm. Um, well, uh, it didn't, it did not click for whatever reason, even though it was part one of a two parter, uh, for whatever reason, just didn't click, but we're here to talk about them now. Uh, and we're going to start off of course with, uh, part two of Spyfall. So, uh, the last we saw of, uh, the doctor and her companions, the doctor was trapped in an alien dimension and the companions were trapped aboard a crashing airplane uh, in the alien dimension. Uh, the doctor's trying to find a way out and in doing so meets uh, Ada Lovelace. And cause you do in an alien dimension, of course, just run into someone from history uh, and they are both transported to 1834 after learning that the aliens are called the, what has this been? The Kasavin? It is not what you thought they were. No, and more on that in a bit. Have yeah, to take, taking, a, taking a loss on that. Even though you had convinced me because the shape was mm. basically the same exact shape. Uh, the doctor manages to summon one, hoping it will take her back to the 21st century. But Ada abruptly joins her, which, of course, screws things up. In the present, Ryan discovers how to safely land the plane. Uh, after finding a recording from the doctor, telling him how to do so. But Barton uh, brands the companions as as fugitives. Uh, The doctor and Ada, meanwhile, accidentally land in Paris during World War II. 
but are rescued by Noor Khan, another historical female figure that uh, I, as an American, did not know anything about. Much like Ryan in the Rosa Parks episode of Doctor Who. But uh, I did read up on her, and uh, it's a really interesting story. Uh, don't really have time to go into that in this episode, though. <laughs> They're kind of just along for the ride. Uh, the master tracks the doc. Uh, the master tracks the doctor disguised as a Nazi, uh, though she arranges a meeting between uh, the two of them. The master, during this meeting, claims that Gallifrey has been destroyed. Uh, bef- he does this before the doctor blows his cover and escapes with Ada and Noor into the present time. Uh, in the master's TARDIS, uh, Barton speaks at a conference revealing that the Kasavin will rewrite humanity's DNA. The Master arrives to see the device activate, only for it to fail. The Doctor exposes the Master's machinations, great word use here, uh, Wikipedia, Mm -hmm. to the Kasavin, provoking them into uh, taking him with them as they are forced back to their dimension. So not the last time we'll see the Master, surely. Uh, The Doctor visits a destroyed Gallifrey, which confirms the Master's claim, and learns from a recording of the Master that their lives were based on lies. Whatever that means, I'm sure we will learn more about that uh, as the season rolls on. Ben, what did you think of the closing episode of of Spyfall? Spyfall Part 2. We need to talk about Chibnall, I'm afraid, is is my starting point. So, a really bold brash start to um this season of of who and mm-hmm. we said a lot of positive things about uh, about performances about the setup in the last episode um the fact that we're planting our feet back in um the who universe uh, and so on and i was excited by it as i think i said on the last show yeah. what what upsets me about this is <sighs> well it, there's so there's so much going on that ought to it's it's just a series of letdowns this episode mm. um now a lot of the criticism that um Chibnall and Whitaker have had for this reboot is that you know all of a sudden the doctor is bumping into exclusively uh, uh female characters from history all right sure um I mean, actually, go back and look at the you know the stats of female historical figures at least since the reboot, and you'll find not a great deal's changed at all. Mm. Um, uh, that somebody's done the stats of this online. In fact, a few people have. Um, so I, I don't really buy that as an argument. What I find is that sometimes it feels a bit shoehorned. Um, mm. So take of that what you will. But here, it it's weirdly the case that it it's like. The the storytelling decisions that Chibnall's taken almost seem to jar with um, all the other decisions about storytelling. It, it it seems pieced together. It seems lacking coherent narrative. This is an episode that, in a two-parter, you expect to have a full story arc. You expect to have substance exploration of um, how we get <clears throat> from point A to point B. Yes. Um, and what we've got here instead is a, an almighty setup uh, in part one and part two saying, oh, we fixed all the things we set up off off screen. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, yeah, magic wand syndrome. Well, we fixed all that. 
Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, oh, well, we've introduced some ideas for later in the season. Um, that, to be frank, for a flagship show such as Who is not good enough. Mm-hmm. And when um, the the sort of <laughs> the weird mismatch of Chris Chibnall's incredible vision in episode one clashes so heavily with the utterly lackluster failure to capitalize on it in part two you can't help but think that well first of all Whitaker is going to get the blame for a lot of this because of the the number of you know <laughs> the sort of the number of big bearded nerds out there going sure. this is all because we've got a female doctor um She'll get the blame for it when, frankly, she doesn't deserve it. Her performance, we spoke about the fact that, you know, she's found her feet now in the start of this. And even with the material in this episode, um, she is still putting in a fantastic performance. Mm-hmm. It's now becoming more about her, uh, probably Graham too. The rest of the the um, the TARDIS family, like Ryan, is practically invisible in this episode. Yeah. So is Yaz. Um, th- there's a lot wrong about that but i can live with it the master is fantastic in this lenny henry mm-hmm. um it, for those who enjoy his work this was a nice touch to him i still feel that they threw away stephen fry but that's life you know th- we're not short of good performances we're just short of good material mm-hmm. um there's so much of this episode that is rehashed from um mainly tenants and some smith era uh doctor who there's the, uh, the whole thing is just a mess. There, there's the controversy, uh, rightly or wrongly, about the sinister way in which the Doctor dispatches of the Master, um, because effectively taking off his perception filter and leaving him to be killed by Nazis because he's Asian um, in yes. his current appearance is a little bit twisted for Doctor Who, but would be fine if it were dealt with... You know, you were supposed to be seeing the dark part of the Doctor's character because we've done that before, mm-hmm. even since the reboot. But instead, what we get is the casual, almost treating it like a punchline to a joke, which we get here. Yeah. Now that uh, they don't like your so, kind, you know how they are about people like you. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's just disturbing. So, um, uh, so that troubles me. There's just this is <clears throat> explaining to me, I'm afraid. Um, how we've had, I think, I, I looked at the, the figures the other day, from the start of season 11 to now, I think that's up to the last, the, so not this episode, but the one after, um, there's been a 57% drop worldwide in viewing figures. Now, a lot of that, I'll say it again, is down to misogynistic assholes who are, you know, spitting out their... Um, sure. ...on account of, uh, account of the female doctor. But I think... What we're doing now is in having such poorly constructed episodes, yeah. beautifully produced but poorly constructed, we're beginning to validate the the BS from from those misogynists, and it makes me really angry because this is not what Doctor Who is about. Mm-hmm. It's not um, it's not a show that's lacking in scope. I mean, you've got a you know shape shifting Time Lord who can travel to any point in time and space. And we're rehashing a storyline used the last time we saw, or the last but one time we saw the master. It, 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 this is—it's just not good enough. And frankly, its audience deserves better than it's getting. Mm. Um, I have a lot of the same. Around. I apologize. Oh no, 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 no! I mean, that's totally fine. I have a lot of the same criticisms. Uh, 
on top of that, I felt like not only was a lot of this kind of familiar and um, quite honestly, my the the thing that was hardest for me, uh, and granted, I am not as much of a uh, a historian as uh, as Ben is, but uh, I have at least from the reboot watched everything more than once, mm. uh, with the exception of maybe like the last couple of uh, series. <clears throat> series like I, I haven't watched, I haven't rewatched Peter Capaldi's last. Uh, series, nor have I rewatched uh, Jodie Whittaker's first. Uh, I've not gone through and rewatched those yet, but for the most part, everything else I've seen more than once. Uh, and this felt very jumbled to me. Uh, like it was, I was almost having a hard time keeping track with what was even happening. And they've done so many weird things with Gallifrey. When uh, the master says that it has been destroyed, I was trying to remember where exactly we last left Gallifrey, and I was mm. I, I wasn't even tracking that, but it, that felt oddly familiar. Like I feel like we've done something akin to this very recently with Gallifrey's in danger or something bad happened to Gallifrey. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm. I'm, I am interested in the the wrinkle that they've added with uh, that their lives are based on lies, that there's some new mystery, that some big, huge mystery about the Doctor or the Time Lords that we don't know anything about. Uh, I, I find but that to be... That feel, yeah, but doesn't that feel like it's setting us up for a disappointment because of... Oh, quite I mean, so possibly, because they haven't... Yeah, they haven't delivered very well on their on their big mystery boxes lately. No, absolutely not. I mean, the Vord thing. Okay, that we you know we might have been moffatted over that. Perhaps, well, the but... the silence I think was yeah. a really like people were really fascinated uh, mm-hmm. as to you know like a cool looking alien that was kind of scary looking and had you know, weird powers and stuff like, what is that? And then when the reveal came, it was Mm. in Matt Smith's last episode and it was essentially just a scene. And they're like, "Uh, here's what that was now moving on. This this Uh, is why I don't want to get excited about the masters um, potential thing or whatever else, because it just feels, yeah, there's so many great ideas, but this is the problem with who now is that all of the people who love this show for what it's about rather Mm -hmm. than the way it's currently being written frankly are coming up with better ideas for stories than the people who are being paid a lot of money to make them it feels a a part of it feels like the conclusions are just being rushed to um yeah golden arrow scenario again yeah it kind of reminds me a little bit of like uh, how game of thrones ended which i'm not going to go into here but suffice (laughs) to say the last season was wrapped up in a shorter order of episodes and Things happened in a very quick manner, and many other mm. things were completely forgotten or disregarded outright, which led to fans being very, very angry. Uh, and look, this is just the second episode of a new season, but you know, this had hints of all of that stuff. Like they set up a, mm. a bunch of stuff, and it was very quickly resolved in this episode. Mm. Uh, you know, and and in ways that we've kind of seen before. I know you're going to run into some problems. Because there's just hundreds of episodes of Doctor Who, but 
you know, there's a lot of stuff that just felt very, even just visiting World War II felt yeah. just familiar to me because they've done it so many times. But, you know, everything from the Ryan finding a video of the doctor explaining how to do everything, um, you know, that feels very reminiscent of other uh, things we've seen from previous doctors just in the reboot uh, era. Like, there's a lot of that. And I, I'm not upset at them introducing, um, like, female historical figures, but... No, boy, thank God for them, because, to be honest, they're some of the best elements of the episode. Yes. Um, you know, my only regret here is that you don't really get to spend that much time with them. Well, exactly. So the doctor's sort of like, exactly. Yeah. The doctor's like, Oh my God, you're this person and you did this now tag along with me on my adventure. And that's kind of it. But if you're going to do that, that's what Horrible Histories is for. I don't know if you get that show in the States. but No, we have Drunk History here. Yeah, uh, We have that too. Very different show. Do not confuse those with your kids. Um, <laughs> I would suggest. Uh, yeah, but uh, it, yeah, if that's what it's setting it out, out to be, then that's fine. But, I mean, so here you've got two interesting um, and dynamic female characters from history. Mm-hmm. And both of them basically, from a storytelling point of view, just get shot on. Yeah, they, um, they really don't have a lot to do, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, that is that is a thing that we kind of talked about a little bit, or sort of alluded to, but never really addressed full on. But mm-hmm. um, we sort of, like, touched on it a little bit when we talked about that there were going to be three companions with the Doctor, and how are they going to... They're obviously not going to be able to spend enough time in each episode on all of them to to flesh them out every single episode or to continue to do that. Uh, and obviously, you know, that happens, as you noted in this episode, Ryan and Yaz basically didn't do much of anything. And uh, they were there, they did things, but they weren't really the focal point. But at the same time, you've got all of these other characters, so when we are introduced to a historical figure, you know, we don't really get to spend that much time. It was much easier if it was the Doctor, one companion, and a historical mm-hmm. figure. And then we can do some stuff with that. But there's yeah. the Doctor, three companions, and then a historical... And in this episode, two historical figures. But you're also trying to do some story with the other companions, and... Yeah, there was just... There's too much, I think, stuffed into this, and it felt really rushed and kind of a mess. Uh, yeah. I don't hate the episode, but... Also, I feel like I'd need to watch it a couple more times just to kind of get like an idea of what exactly happened and when I watched, I watched this episode twice and all I found was a growing sensation of Mm -hmm. like missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, and, and actually one of the most glaring missed opportunities uh, other than the fact that, um, uh, uh, Khan was, you know, it was worthy of a little bit more investigation. Um, the biggest flaw for me was, um, was Vore and Daniel Barton and uh, you know so the the Lenny Henry stuff because yeah I mean he he only he's only really given one solid scene in this episode maybe two one in his office and one when he's doing his um, uh, Steve Jobs uh, speech to that audience yes uh, I've been on that sound stage in which he did that incidentally um, <laughs> humble brag uh, yeah um, but the uh, but then he he scuttles off in a kind of 
you know, off he goes out of the door, like often sort of who B-plot villains do. Yeah. And then you kind of think, I wonder whatever happened to that guy. Well, I'm, I mean, okay, we, yeah, well, we might see go. Vora again. Yeah. They might loop back and, and explain how we get from what we saw in terms of the bad guys to maybe the bad guys we thought they were. I mean, who even knows? But sure. all, you, all you get from a rewatch is the sense that there was so much that was just pissed away and it, it's infuriating yeah. yeah um so uh at the end of the day what would you give spyfall part two genuinely it's to me worth two and a half because it, of all of the reasons i've just yeah. given i i'm angry at chibnall for this episode i really am hypothetically speaking that is just considering it average but um mm. that's a pretty low score uh yeah, but it's I'm, a hell of a drop from where part one was. Yeah, I'm not much. I'm not much better. I gave it a three. Uh, th- I thought there was stuff to like in the episode, but on the whole, like it just felt very jumbled and just swiftly glued together. And there you go. We ra- we wrapped up everything uh, as quickly as we possibly could. Um, I'm wondering if we should switch. I'm wondering if Ben, we should switch because of course this is a. Um, a UK original show, and on on Wikipedia here they list the appreciation index. I think is what it is. Uh, for which yeah. part one and part two of Skyfall both received eighty twos. Mm, I presume the you would disagree. Just, well, the audience score is very different. Somebody online was pointing out that on Rotten Tomatoes um, or Tomatoes, if you would prefer, yeah, uh, the critic scores are sort of pretty much always 70s 80s 90s mm-hmm. um whereas the audience scores i don't know what this one's now up to but uh a lot of the articles were written when these episodes were getting sort of high 20s low 30s yeah. um there is a big difference between the journalists commenting on these episodes and the audience commenting mm-hmm. and again some of that will be the misogyny thing and some of it is the fact that there are perhaps that switches the other way as well. There's a lot of people like, like liking it because it's female doctor and female protagonists and everything else. Sure. Because they're writing in papers where that's part of their editorial filter. Mm-hmm. Um, don't worry. I'm not getting a Boris Johnson, Donald Trump bumper sticker quite yet, but it's, <laughs> you see what I mean though? It's quite easy to start to, to validate sure. the vitriol about this because of the fact that it's, it's just being let down by the piss awful writing. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, there is a clear problem with the way that this is being scored um, across would, the various things. You but the, the viewing figures. Yes. No, and the viewing figures, you know, people vote with their feet. You can say what you want about TV shows, but ultimately, if people ain't watching it, that answers your question. Yeah, rate uh, the, the overall viewers dropped by almost a million. Mm. It was almost 7 million for the first part and uh, just a tad over six. For mm. episode two, so a lot of people. But then you look over the two seasons, and it's a fifty-seven percent drop, drop across the UK and US audience. That's extraordinary. Yeah. Now there definitely is something off about it, mm. um, and I don't, and I definitely, and I agree with you. I don't think it's Jodie Whittaker. Uh, no. I think she's doing a pretty good job, and just like you, I think that she's finding her footing. So. Mm-hmm. Uh. All right. It's not Bradley Walsh who, as I said, every episode again I thought was going to be the problem, but new. isn't. Yeah, not him. It's it's really none of the performers. It's just no. not very compelling stories. Mm. Uh, 
let's move on and talk about episode three real quick. Orphan 55. Uh, so, uh, no more Master, no more Airplanes, uh, no more Vor. We're just, they're taking a break, everybody, literally. Uh, the Doctor, Ryan, Yaz, and Graham are transported to Tranquility Spa, a vacation facility uh, built in a dome on a desolate orphan world. Seemingly peaceful at first, the facility is quickly overrun by dregs, humanoid monsters, uh, due to an intentional disruption of the security systems. Uh, several guests and facility workers are killed before the Doctor reestablishes the security fields. The survivors leave the dome to save a fellow survivor, but the dregs lead them into a trap and they retreat to a tunnel, uh, which allows them to return to the facility. There, one of the guests, Bella, reveals that she purposefully disrupted the security field as revenge against her mother, who built Tranquility Spa and ignored her childhood. Isn't that always the story? Isn't it? The doctor discovers that the orphan planet is, in fact... Earth, after millions of years of climate change and war. Uh, you damn dirty apes. You, oh, yeah, sorry, you did it. Uh, <laughs> you blew it up. Uh, and the dregs are mutated human survivors. Uh, Cain and Bella. Cain is the mother. And Bella sacrificed themselves to destroy the facility to protect the others as the doctor safely transports them to their original planets. Okay, Ben. Orphan 55, and go. Okay. One criticism of a performer, which is, uh, and I've got to get the right way around, the daughter, so that's, that's Gia Ray, isn't it? Mm. Plays her. I'm sorry, but she did her best to make that character not as annoying as, as was written on the page and did not pull it off. Bella <laughs> is probably, next to Danny Pink, the most annoying Oof. Doctor Who character. Whoa! Um, since the reboot, I that is know, just every, everything about, of fame. But like, wow, everything about that character was intensely annoying. Uh, and I, I rewatched it to see if it was the performance rather than the script. It's not. It's the script. It's just awful for well, her. Congratulations anyway. to Bella on her induction. Yeah, uh, like sorry. that's way up there. Mm. I mean, the name uh, Bella too kind of screams annoyance. I don't know what it is. It's something. Yeah, that's true, actually. I haven't yeah. met too many pleasant people with that name, but I maybe I haven't that's met them true. all. If you're a Bella and you're listening to the show and you're not an asshole, then drop us a line. Yes. I mean, cinemageekly at gmail.com. Exactly. You probably won't because you're an asshole. Yes. Um, anyway, point is, uh, so that was. Uh, this is so weird. So we were talking about sort of rehash storylines. Okay, Orphan Fifty Five, as a you know, the idea of this sort of vacation place in a dubious future, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. That's been done, I've, God knows how many times in Doctor Who history. Um, yeah. Particularly recurring around the Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy eras. Um, I think Peter Davison is welcome to think of it. Um, and you know what? It felt really kind of retro. This felt like an 80s episode of Doctor Who in lots of ways. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. I quite enjoyed that feature. Yeah. Um, there are problems with this episode, but you know it seems to be on brand for who at the moment. Um, I didn't, I didn't hate this. I, I thought the story itself was pretty fundamentally flawed in places. There are just complete logic fails at various points in in the narrative, but um, and some pretty unbelievable character issues. Um, 
interesting fact of the episode is that uh, the lead drag was played by Spencer Wilding, uh, one time Darth Vader from Rogue One, of course. Um, ah. amongst other things. Yes. I've met him, lovely fella. Uh, huge. He's very, very tall. It's um, a great former, Darth Vader. It was indeed. Um, I mean, shared it with uh, Daniel Napros. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So, um, yeah, so he's good. Uh, he He's basically in a million things. This is his third outing as a, a creature of one sort or other in Doctor Who as well. He was in God Complex. He was in, um, uh, what's it called? The Doctor, the Widow, and the Wardrobe? Yeah. Um, yeah. And the he, tree monster thingy? The uh, so on Skaldak, I believe. Yes. Um, and yeah, so and obviously he's in um, more than fifty-five. So nice to see him uh, hamming it up under a load of latex. But mm-hmm. there you go. I, I uh, there are weird problems with it. I mean, how humans evolved. I mean, humans have evolved into lots of peculiar beasts in various versions of who, and this is where we then come to the problem. So the biggest flaw with this episode, I suppose, is the fact that we understand that this is one of the possible futures for. Um, for earth and for humanity so doctor who has started to break one of its rules so right there are people who are saying this is the first time they've ever broken the multiverse um rule and that's simply not true doctor who's broken that many times oh yeah it's the first time that it's ever been broken in this way though Mm -hmm. so um the idea that uh you know effectively true multiverse theory which is what they're suggesting here that is the first time they've ever done it and i don't like it because it Mm. it removes yeah it removes the necessity for for continuity and the importance of of the big markers points you know the static points in time and all that sort of stuff yes um which i think we've all enjoyed as one of the things that keeps doctor who true to itself the best sci-fi is true to itself it's one of the reasons star trek is is historically um not not without its flaws but it's one of the reasons why it's you know so rigidly adhered to um, in terms of the way that they write the science of trek so uh, moving from that into this sort of mm, oh look here's what could happen there's only one possible explanation for doing it and it's the one that it's like chibnall's trying to head directly to the criticism that people are making so the criticism of last season of, of who and already of this is it's really preachy um I can't remember immediately off the top of my head. I refer to one of the season uh, 11 episodes as being after-school special territory with the clumsiness. Um, This is worse. Now, point one, the message, sure. Got it, fine. Climate change, super important. We all understand this. And those who don't, frankly, ain't going to be convinced by Doctor Who. No, Um, (laughs) no. But here's here's my real problem we mustn't lose sight of the the audience of this show Mm -hmm. um the majority of this audience is is kids it's teenagers it's certainly under 21s Mm -hmm. um you've then got the nerd audience who are people who are into sci-fi and so understand dystopian sci-fi future including as actions of uh, sorry consequences of human actions yeah you are in doctor who not only preaching but you are preaching to the choir yeah um and i don't get the need to do it there were more interesting things to do here you could have had you know carried the classic who the sort of 80s who feel of um of this sort of crazy future hotel and the sinister things going on behind the scenes without having to end it with the planets of the apes ending it it just seemed like a really stupid way of doing it that Mm -hmm. was going to just court the anger of the same people we were talking about in the last show that 
yeah it, i don't get it and now i realize this isn't chibnall entirely because ed heim um wrote this episode but it, you've got to wonder at episode three of season 12 the second season of the 13th doctor is this on purpose mm-hmm. that they are trying to do because the, the target audience of this show surely don't uh, don't need patronizing in the way that that this is this is doing and it i i saw people, you wondering that perhaps based off of the reaction to the Jodie Whittaker casting, they are making episodes for those people who are like trolling on the internet or like, I, mean, I mean, I assume not because patron- that would also be batshit crazy, but <laughs> yes, patronizing a very small vocal minority, but it does rather feel like it, doesn't it? A little bit at times. Yes. It does feel I mean, like they're writing for those people who go on Facebook if, if they do an episode where there's an alien race um, who has, you know, evolved a, a third gender identity and all of a sudden we're dealing with what are basically turfers in the course of this season, then I'm, I'm out because <laughs> I think really we are just, you know, if, if they start introducing vegan sausage rolls in an episode of this. <laughs> that's who they're it, writing for. Yes. Yeah. I'm just, I don't know what they're doing at this stage. If that's, I, I'm sure this isn't what they're doing and. I'm sure Tesla in the next episode won't have any complicated 21st century problem, but it, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? <laughs> the episode itself was fine until you f- at the end with that. Stop it. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it was kind of interesting when they introduce it at first, but mm. then when they can kind of continue along with it and you're like, it's the climate change message, which is... You know, I'm never going to say, like, it's not admirable because, of course, there's always the low percentage chance that somebody who thinks it's fake watches a a science (laughs) fiction TV show episode and goes, maybe it's not that fake. Uh, Why would Benny lie to us? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, for the most part, though, I'm not really sure why they went so heavy handed with it. I did find it really weird that they went with the, like, the time machine, human evolution thing. Like, this is mm. essentially, like, humans turned into Morlocks. Yeah. Uh, this was just like that, but there were no Eloys around for the Morlocks to eat, I guess. On my on my piece of paper that I wrote down during the show, I've put Morlocks, question mark, WTAF. So, <laughs> yeah, clearly, okay. at the time, I was on the same page. Yeah. Same page. Uh, I mean, cause that's the first thing that came to my mind when they're like, this is Earth, and I'm like... So these are evolved humans, I guess, and they turned into mm-hmm. monsters. Like, um, all right. Uh, and by the way, I think if anything, Ben, uh, mm-hmm. this episode only further proves what many people are saying who are climate change deniers anyway. Which is, even if it is happening, humans will just adapt. Yeah, and here, here it is proof. Yeah, we just turned into Absolutely. dregs. That's all. We're still kicking. They've Humans got the are best st- hotels. Everybody knows it. Just <laughs> ask anyone. Trust them. Humans are still there. Uh, yeah. yeah, I liked. Uh, I liked the episode for the most part. I agree with you about the the like the eighties vibe. It certainly had. It didn't feel like really anything else they've made in series eleven. 
Mm. Or really even during Capaldi's run, for that matter. I, I was expecting, like, Bonnie Langford to appear. It was... Yeah, this... Weird. Honestly, this felt... If if anything, it felt more like something you'd see in, like, uh, Eccleston's season or Tennant's season, if you don't want to yeah. go back to the, all the way to the 80s. But this definitely yeah. felt more like something from the earlier part of the reboot of Doctor Who or... Definitely what came Eccleston, before. yeah. Yeah, definitely Eccleston. And... Um, so yeah, I uh, I liked it for that uh, that kind of aesthetic, and it felt like kind of a nice break uh, from what we've been getting. But on the other hand, also it was kind of just there for me. Like I was not gripped by this episode. I wasn't like, oh, what's gonna happen? Like what what's the story here? Like, did you not find the peril was felt a bit hollow because ultimately there were characters that would probably didn't really give a shit about yeah yeah uh really? and you know like the uh you never paid attention to me mom so i'm gonna blow up an entire yeah. blow up a resort and probably hurt innocence like yeah okay and bella is like a shit character right yeah i mean i was hoping spencer wilding would rip a noggin off i have to say what about the old lady uh well what did Julia you think Foster of- played her vilma i do you know what soft spot for her i think she's a cracking actress she's mm-hmm. a billion things um I, I mean in this episode she she carried on the 80s vibe her holy benny, shit did she ever yeah her and benny are the classic 80s foils in in sci-fi i mean <laughs> yes but i i felt they were knowingly playing that i mean uh, that you was know, my they hope. Turned in a serious performance. I mean, if they did, Christ, I'm getting it horribly wrong. Yes, um, yes. I was sitting there hoping, like, I hope this is not them doing <laughs> their best. Like, this is the best they she's can do. She's very theater. Yeah. Julia Foster is is very um, West End. She's mm-hmm. I and mean, she has done quite a lot of TV and film stuff. But like in the '60s and '70s, um, she's got bit parts in all sorts of crazy shit in the 80s she was in casualty for a while i don't know well uk listeners all know what that is um and holby city and stuff uh i don't know where she suddenly reappeared from um she was i think the last time i saw her she popped up in the dad's army movie remake thing that happened in 2016 i want to say um yeah it was a bit weird uh, yeah. sort of this. but this was the sort of acting that she was doing a lot of in the 80s i was gonna say yes this this for me had a vibe of like guest star on a on like a show yeah. and maybe 80s might even be too modern like i was thinking like this felt like guest star on like an episode of star trek like back when yeah. acting yeah Back when you didn't have to be a great actor to be on tv uh, well it did occur to me that there may be a reason i may be being but her son um, mm-hmm. is uh, Ben Fogel, mm-hmm. who I I can't imagine he's known for anything in, in the US, but he's uh, a TV presenter over here um, and has spent quite a long time as kind of like Mr. Mr. BBC random, you know, if they want to rent a gob yeah. presenter for something, it was, you know, it's Ben Fogel. Um, but I think he also works in some production company or other as well. So I wonder whether possibly uh, he's somehow connected and yeah, whatever. But eh, who knows? I didn't think Benny got much of an outing, bless him. No, not really. No. 
Um, the, uh, yeah, I, uh, it's just one of those, this is just one of those episodes where it was sort of just there. The audience did not like it as much as last week's episode. Mm. Uh, it's got a 77 out of a possible 100. What's usually the, uh, I think we've talked about this before, but maybe as a refresher for myself and for others, is there like a general idea of like, if a show falls below a certain level, it's just considered not a good episode? Um, Does it usually have to fall into like the 60s or the 50s or something? Or Yeah, I think so, yeah. So a high 70s is like, yeah, it was okay. I think is yeah. that the the general feeling. Yeah, that's where I landed on this episode as well. Mm. Much better. Like it felt like for Spyfall Part Two, the audience was like, "Oh, this is really good," and you and I were both like, "Eh, mm-hmm. not so much." This one, I, I I think I would agree. I would be like, "Yeah, it's, it's pretty good," but <laughs> also like like I said, just uh, I'm not feeling that. That grip, like I could feel it slipping a little bit during the Capaldi run, uh, but there were times where they delivered some just fantastic episodes and yeah. fantastic performances, and I was right back in. Um, so far, nothing really from Jody's run has gripped me. Like I have not just been like uh, enraptured by anything that's going on right now. But uh, there's still some time. We'll see how it goes, but. Uh, you know, I thought Spyfall Part 1 was a good start, but then they kind of uh, mangled the ending for me. Uh, and while this episode was a fun departure, it was also just kind of there. Uh, any other yeah. thoughts on Orphan 55, Ben? And uh, if not, what would you give it? Uh, not particularly. I suppose Lou and Lloyd deserves a bit of reference. And um, what's his name from in between us who played his... Dad, I can't remember. Uh, anyway, yeah, the man. green-haired people. Um, yeah, exactly. Because uh, he's the kid in um, the BBC version of um, his Dark Materials as well. In case anyone was wondering where they'd seen him before. Uh, uh, what do I give it? Uh, three and a half. Because yep. yeah, I'd, I had problems as discussed, but yeah, I thought it was not as bad as a lot of people are suggesting. But equally, yeah, problems. Yeah, three and a half as well for me. Uh, Liked it, not without its issues. Also, not particularly compelling. Uh, mm. As as now I have said that ten times, that will be the final word <laughs> on Orphan 55. Uh, maybe I should have said it 55 times, just to be a little bit more concurrent with the episode title, but alas. Uh, not enough time in this podcast to do that, Ben, so... Uh, maybe if you stick around uh, after the after the closing song, uh, maybe it'll just be uh, attacked on thirty seconds of me saying, uh, pulling out a thesaurus and coming up with uh, various other ways of saying uh, that I that I was not gripped by this episode. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. That seems like a lot of work on my end. Uh, I've got more podcasts to do on this very day that we were recording. And of course, I need to reserve some energy because there's uh, a Star Trek Picard that is happening very soon. And there's another podcast. I'm excited. There's another podcast that Ben and I do that you should check out called I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast, where we will definitely be talking about that show. Uh, in the meantime, 
Uh, you can head on over to cinemageekly.com where you can check out the archives of this show. And of course, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for Who Made Who. Hit subscribe. Uh, that way you can hear us come back next time and talk about more Doctor Who Series 12, Episode 4. It's called Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror. It was uncompelling. <laughs> <laughs>